0: You're listening to The Zeitgeist, a podcast focused on Germany, the United States, and the transatlantic relationship. Join us as we discuss economics, trade and technology, politics, security, and a lot more. I'm Jeff Rathke, president of the American German Institute at Johns Hopkins University. Well, I want to welcome our listeners to this 100th episode of The Zeitgeist. That is a big number, and we have today with us, uh, I think it's fair to say, a big star. Uh, so I'd like to welcome Max Rabe. Hallo, guten Tag. Wonderful to have you with us. If you take the time, <laughs> yeah. uh, listeners, to uh, follow this podcast, there's a good chance that you have an interest not only in German politics, the economy, and scholarship, but also German music and culture. And the music of Max Rabe and the Palast Orchestra may be familiar to you. If you're watching the latest season of Babylon Berlin, the excellent uh, Netflix series, for example, you you see Max Rabe and the Palast Orchestra in the opening episode. But for those who haven't had that delight, um, uh, I hope we might spark your interest today. So for the uninitiated, Max Rabe and the Palast Orchestra are a phenomenon. For nearly 40 years, they have been performing the popular music of Weimar-era Germany, and creating new music in that same style. Their work is characterized by a musical artistry, wit and charm that is really extraordinary. And their appearance, their look in evening wear, elegant and maybe even a bit more impressive and intimidating because of that slight anachronism um, is also notable. They've been extremely successful. Their albums are regularly in the top 10 on the German charts and sales in the platinum range. They are touring the United States in March, which includes dates in Chicago, Boston, and here in Washington, where they play the Lincoln Theater on the 20th of March. I've got my tickets and we'll be there. Oh, and they're also playing a larger city a few hours north of here at a place called Carnegie Hall. So Max Rabe, much of the music in your repertoire is 90 to 100 years old. Uh, What is special about that music that connects with audiences a century later, in your view?
1: For me, the, the, the music is timeless, the, the humor and um, the, the, the attitude, um, the, 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 however, um, when we play the music, the people laugh at the same time uh, as they laughed uh, uh, 90 years ago. Um, when we perform a sentimental piece, people are touched. And when we play a funny song, a funny line comes up, people spontaneously laugh and um the music stands exactly uh in the same character as it was as, as we created in the same character as it was in the in the 20s and 30s we use the original stock arrangements from that time and uh, it works it still works the people are touched in the um, we see it all over where we are playing uh, in germany in austria switzerland and uh, Scandinavia, and we've been in Japan and uh, Italy before. And uh, next year, uh, pa- pardon me, in, in, in March we are coming to uh, to uh, to the United States again. It works. It's still alive. The music is
0: there. Do you think it fills um, a, a gap that is missing in the popular music of today? Also. That emotional connection um, that you described, the the the, the sort of uh, complicated uh, and sometimes poignant uh, uh, texts and uh, and the the complexity of the music.
1: Mm. Uh, you you won't find the uh, the everyday every day's political uh, reflected. You you won't find them in the, in the, in that lyrics. Bertolt Brecht makes an exception with the music of Gottweil, of course. But at last, it's no different these days or our days. You won't find any information about the political dramas in the world in the lyrics of a rock band or a punk band. It's always about love, jealousy and the typical dramas of the interpersonal relationships, and that was in the 20s as it is today. Um, at last, it's just the music, and you you the, the, you want to touch the people, and um, they want to forget what's going on in the world during the concert.
2: If if I could just jump in for a second, this is uh, Eric Langenbacher um, from the American German Institute, and I do have to say that I'm also very familiar with your music. I can't tell you how many long car rides when my boys were young that your super hits especially the Britney Spears Oops I Did It Again (laughs) and the ABBA Super Trooper got us through those trips. So I've been a big fan of your music for a while. Uh, What I would like to ask you, though, to kind of talk a little bit more about uh, the music that you do more generally is uh, I think that there's been quite for quite a while here in the United States and across the world, there's been a real interest in the Weimar Republic. And not just the political side of things, because we all know, unfortunately, how that ended, but especially the cultural thing. I mean, there are books written about how Weimar was the birth of the modern and that even to this day, over 100 years later, uh, we're still influenced by the artistic currents and the innovations that that happened during the Weimar Republic. So I, I would love to hear your thoughts on why you think Weimar still resonates with people across the world so much.
1: Ah, I, I guess in the twenties and thirties uh, there were actually many innovations, not only in uh, in music, uh, but also in architecture, technology, and film business, and uh, every new movement from went from America uh, to Europe and vice versa. So it was a very open-minded and interesting time, and uh, of course. It was a hard time for normal people. Uh, When we think about the 20s and 30s, we are thinking about the glamorous uh, dance palace and and, uh, this this, um, rich world with big cars and elegant uh, dresses and so, but most of the people had a hard time, but you won't find that in that music. I don't know why, but the the people, uh, they they want to to have parties, They, they, they were poor, but they were interesting in, in, I guess, in everything. Um, um, and it, it, it was a hard time in, in Germany in that time. I guess in, in many Europe, European cities as well. But um, at last we idealized that the, the period and that area. And maybe that is lot, uh, the, the reason why everybody or the, the people are familiar with that kind of, of, of that music. And you find a lot of musicians on stage. I mean, uh, we have four saxophones and um, a violin and two trumpets and a trombone and a rhythm section. And so we are 13 people on stage. And if you enter a concert today, you you see four or five people on stage with electronic guitars. And so it's another power. It's much powerful, but uh, you're touched by the elegance of the melodies and, and of the uh, of the composition of the comp- um, of the
0: arrangements
1: and yeah it, it is a short uh, question and a long, uh, long answer sorry
0: <laughs> but but uh, but a good one um you know german history and memory culture and memory politics are things that we deal with frequently in our work uh, because germany's efforts to to understand uh and to take responsibility for the crimes in the National Socialist period play a huge yeah. role still today. It also seems to be strongly present in your work. Uh, so I wanted to ask how that affects your choice of songs and uh, a, a message you, you uh, seek to send. Mm.
1: You know... I, my job. I want to forget. Uh, I want the people to forget their, worri- their worries and, their, and what's happening in the world for, uh, during the concerts. And I, I can speak about these things um, during an interview or an, uh, 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 in a TV talk show, whatever. But not during, during the concerts. I mean, there are more. We have enough smart people who are able to to speak about these problems in the world. They don't need me. Um, I'm just a musician. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: Can, can I follow up with a quick question on that? Um, so when we here in the United States and across the world think about what came after the Nazis, you know, one of the words that, that keeps popping up is civilizationbruch like this just this kind of like break with civilization. And it struck me when you were talking before about going back to uh, the music of the twenties and the thirties. Is that also a way to kind of reconnect Germans with other parts of their past to kind of like go back beyond that Um, I guess that that would
1: That interpretation would be too much. You know, um, of course, we play the music we love and we hope that the audience enjoyed our repertoire too. Um, There's a special sense of humor, uh, beautiful irony. Often, of course, there are huge songwriters. I always mention the names of the authors. When the Nazis came to power, humanity worst crime began and this is this is always i guess it's always with us on stage when i mention the name every know everybody knows what came after this wonderful time of the weimar republic after 1933 when the nazis came to powers, power power uh, yeah and yeah. it's it's it's, uh, it's always with us i guess for me it is when I mention the name, when I sing the songs, I, uh, I have it often in my background uh, what's happened with those composers and songwriters um, uh, during the Third Reich.
0: And of course, uh, some of uh, of those people were able to flee um, the Nazis yeah. and make it to the and United some, States.
1: Some of them, uh, they, uh, they, go, they could... go ahead. Uh, uh, they uh, try to to start again uh, as composer or songwriters in in, this, in the United States, for example, most sometimes it works, sometimes not. And um, uh, Paul Abraham, for example, he uh, got a uh, went cra- crazy and was uh, um, lost his brain and came into a hospital. Uh, he, he was a famous composer. Now he is. Uh, um, on the Komische Oper here in Berlin, uh, you, you see his work and everybody knows what um, uh, his... Uh, uh, of course, he had a chance to, 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 the, uh, to, to go to America, but it was a hard life. And um, another good example is for is, uh, Walter Jurmann. He is an Austrian composer and he uh, was very successful in Germany. He wrote songs like My Gorilla Has a Villa in the Zoo, with, uh, (laughs) okay, or Though You're Not the First One, and Metro Gold in Maya invited him early enough in 1933 to come to Hollywood, and he was a successful composer for um, films like, um, um, wait a minute, um, mutiny on the bounty for example uh, with Clark Gable or another Clark Gable uh, film where um, San Francisco you, you know the melody San Francisco open your golden gate and he's a composer of this song he was successful in the states but um, that Kudweil wasn't so wasn't so successful in in the United States so it was hard they were very talented they had the chance to survive but uh, um, that was a hard job and a hard life for them, and I speak just about the the few composers. A lot of singers and musicians had a hard time as well, but at last, uh, that chance to survive.
0: You know, Max. If, if I I heard you say before that uh, you know, your purpose as an artist and as a musician um, is is not to play. Uh, you know to lecture people on politics um uh, and i think i've heard in other interviews that you've done that you know the you and the palast orchestra did your purpose when you started uh, performing was not to create a a musical monument uh, to victims yeah. of of the nazi period but i'm interested um how did is that something that over time uh, became more significant uh, to acknowledge uh, and to recognize the fate of composers and lyricists and musicians um, who created this music and then um, suffered uh, in the Nazi period? Uh, how did that become um, more present in the way you look at uh, your work?
1: The composers wrote the song and they want to be a successful and they want to touch the people. With the music, with their work, and not with their personal life. And I can speak about the personal life or the, the, the life of these uh, artists during a talk show or an uh, interview. And I always do that because it's a, it's important, and it's a part of our uh, uh, history here in Germany. And I, I guess everybody has it in the background. Um, not not each time, no, because uh, the music is important during the music is running and the, the show is running. And at last, whenever I have a chance to explain in which context this music was created, I do it.
0: It's important. Thank you. Um, so I, I want to uh, thank you for your... Uh, your time and for the uh the the uh the joys and uh, and enjoyment that uh, that you and your colleagues bring um, to audiences uh, in Germany and around the world um, so uh thanks max Rabe, for uh, taking time to talk with us today
1: pleasure pleasure I've I got a good fun I uh, hope I found the right answers <laughs> for you
0: well I think so um uh, so just uh, for, for all of our listeners, beginning March 12th, Athens, Georgia, you can see Max Rabe and the Palast Orchestra. Uh, also later in Indianapolis, Chicago, Milwaukee, Boston, Washington DC, and New York, where they conclude their tour at Carnegie Hall on March 21st. And for those not fortunate enough to be able to see them, we will have ample links in the show notes that you can follow and acquaint yourselves. Thanks to you, Max Hrabe, for making our 100th episode. um, And we hope all of our listeners will join us uh, for the next episode of The Zeitgeist. Thanks, Max Hrabe.
1: Thank you very much. Thank you.
0: Thanks for listening to The Zeitgeist, a podcast produced by the American German Institute at Johns Hopkins University. You may know us under our old name, the American Institute for Contemporary German Studies. Send us your feedback by email at info at AICGS.org, or on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, where we have new handles at A-M-G-E-R-I-N-S-T. And also please visit our website at americangerman.institute, formerly AICGS, and we'll look forward to seeing you there. Thanks.